Welcome back to the program. Even in the world of physics, celebrity culture seems to rule. We've all heard about the search for the so-called God particle, the Higgs boson, and the Large Hadron Collider. Yet those in the know in the astrophysics community have had their eyes focused on another subatomic particle, the neutrino. That particle may really possess the secrets of the inner workings of our planet and of the universe. My guest, Ray J. Arwadana, is one of the leading astrophysicists looking into the neutrino. He's a professor and Canadian research chair in observational astrophysics at the University of Toronto. He's a graduate of Yale and Harvard and has co-authored more than 100 scientific papers. His discoveries have made headlines worldwide, and his writings have appeared in the New York Times, The Economist, and Scientific America. It is my pleasure to welcome Ray J. Awandana here to talk about his newest work, Neutrino Hunters, the thrilling chase for a ghostly particle to unlock the secrets of the universe. Ray, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure, Jeff. Great to have you here. First of all, tell us a little bit about when neutrinos were first discovered, a little bit about what they are. Um, neutrinos are a type of elementary particles. Um, they're a fundamental constituent of matter. Uh, they were first proposed uh, back in 1930 by a physicist by the name of Wolfgang Pauli um, to explain the apparent uh, uh, loss of energy, missing energy that seemed to go missing during a type of radioactive decay. Uh, but it took a good 25 years before physicists could experimentally confirm their existence. Uh, the reason for that is because neutrinos, as I say in the book, are pathologically shy. Um, in other words, they hardly ever interact with their surroundings, which makes them uh, in- extremely difficult to pin down. And part of the reason for this, as you talk about it, is the fact that they're neither positive nor negative. Explain that. Yes, they are. They don't have an electric charge. They're neutral particles, um, and also they primarily interact with their surroundings through what's called the weak nuclear force. Um, they don't feel the electromagnetic force because they're neutral, and they don't feel feel the the strong force. Uh, that means they have to uh, basically have a head-on collision, or you know, uh, to to trigger an interaction. So they hardly ever interact. They can pass through. Um, you know, our bodies, um, in fact, there are trillions of neutrinos passing through our body every second of every day and night. Um, they can pass right through the Earth itself. Um, so they, uh, most things are uh, perfectly transparent um, to the neutrino. What do we know about where they came from, how they originally came to be? Neutrinos are produced in a, in a variety of nuclear reactions. Uh, for example, nuclear reactions that power the sun, happening at the, the heart of uh, the sun, the solar nuclear furnace, uh, produces a constant stream of neutrinos, some of which um, reach the Earth and, and pass through our bodies. Uh, there are other neutrinos produced in the upper regions of the Earth's own atmosphere when cosmic rays collide with uh, nitrogen and oxygen atoms. Uh, there are neutrinos produced beneath our feet because the radioactive material in the Earth's interior that decay over time and produce neutrinos as well. So neutrinos are literally all around us. They're, in fact, the most abundant of matter particles in the universe. And as we study them, what do we hope that they contain? What do we hope that our continued research into them will tell us about the Big Bang, about the origins of the universe, and of our planet? 
Well, as, as one researcher, uh, uh, Lindley Winslow, who's a professor at UCLA now, told me um, uh, that I quote in the book, uh, she said, whenever anything cool happens in the universe, neutrinos are usually involved. Um, in other words, that means neutrinos connect us to such a, a wide range of phenomena, uh, both on the cosmic scale, but also on the minuscule subatomic scale. So they can tell us about the shenanigans of the subatomic world. They can um, act as messengers from exploding stars. Uh, they can tell us uh, and confirm our models of uh, what powers the sun. So neutrinos uh, are interesting to particle physicists for what they could reveal about the fundamental nature of matter, how uh, the universe might have uh, come to be dominated by matter over antimatter, for example, which is a profound and difficult question uh, that we don't exactly know how uh, how that uh, symmetry might have broken uh, soon after the Big Bang. Uh, they can also be cosmic messengers in, uh, in that astronomers could learn about some of the most violent phenomena uh, uh, thousands or hundreds of thousands of light years away uh, by studying neutrinos produced um, in, in those environments. What do we hope to understand about this whole notion of antimatter and, and black holes, for example, by studying the neutrinos? Well, um, it, we expect that soon after the Big Bang, there should have been equal amounts of matter and antimatter created. But if, if the two were created in precisely equal amounts, they would have come together and annihilated each other and we'd be left with only a sea of radiation. We know that's not the case. Uh, for one thing, we're here. So that means somehow matter gained an upper hand. There might have been uh, a slight excess of matter produced uh, in, in, in the immediate aftermath of the Big Bang, and how that asymmetry came about, how matter got an upper hand, got an excess, uh, we don't know. And one of the more promising avenues for trying to understand that profound uh, and difficult question uh, might be by studying neutrinos and their antimatter counterparts, the anti-neutrinos, and, and, and trying to measure if they um, behave in identical ways or if there might be a, a minute difference uh, between uh, the two. And if, if um, depending on the answer to that question, we might uh, learn how the matter-antimatter asymmetry came about in, in the early universe. Um, so that's one of the, the, the reasons that um, scientists are very excited about uh, studying neutrinos. Um, it's the idea of whether anti-neutrinos anti and neutrinos behave the same way. That's been around for decades, but only now um, do we have uh, sensitive enough equipment to begin to experimentally uh, test uh, that question. Talk a little bit about the production of neutrinos that we've seen in the death throes of various stars and what that tells us. Um, indeed, uh, the uh, first time that uh, scientists registered neutrinos coming from far beyond our solar system was back in 1987 when they registered a grand total of uh, two dozen neutrinos produced in, a, in the explosion of a massive star, uh, a supernova explosion, in other words, uh, in a satellite galaxy of the Milky Way. Um, in fact, the neutrinos 
were registered to arrive on Earth a few hours before it was seen in visible light. Um, the reason for that is not that neutrinos travel faster than light, uh, but that neutrinos produced in the in the heart of the explosion could escape uh, the death throes of the star uh, unhindered, so they could get out right away, whereas the light, the energy produced uh, in the form of, of, of electromagnetic radiation had to work its way out, uh, taking a bit longer uh, to, to come out from the, the heart of the explosion. Um, so these two dozen neutrinos gave us independent confirmation that we have a pretty good idea as to how and why massive stars explode at the end of their life when they have run out of nuclear fuel. Now, um, since then, uh, there are many more neutrino detectors that have been de developed and deployed around the world uh, and much more sensitive detectors. And therefore, if a supernova were to explode in our galaxy, the Milky Way now, scientists expect to detect up to several hundred thousand neutrinos. Uh, imagine how much more we could learn from hundred thousand neutrinos compared to just two dozen. Um, and that's one of the most exciting prospects um, for neutrino hunters today, the possibility that a supernova would explode uh, in our galaxy and, 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 and we would uh, witness uh, its unfolding by uh, watching the neutrinos arriving right here on Earth. What about the, the reverse of that, stars that collapse into themselves? Um, so the, the, the outcome of, of a supernova explosion, we expect, would be that the, the, the core of the star would indeed collapse either into a black hole or a neutron star. And in fact, if we could watch the neutrinos streaming out of uh, that unfolding explosion, uh, we might have a way of definitively determining whether the outcome is a black hole or a neutron star, because in the case of a black hole, we'd expect that the neutrino flux would come to an abrupt halt, whereas in the case of a neutron star, uh, it would uh, dwindle a little bit more gradually. So by just watching the arrival of neutrinos from a supernova explosion, we could determine what its uh, final outcome uh, would, would be. One of the other places that neutrinos are being studied are really in, in the Antarctica, in this Ice Cube Observatory. Explain that, Ray. Indeed. It is the world's biggest neutrino observatory at the moment, uh, completed just two years ago. Uh, it is truly a marvel of extreme engineering. Uh, scientists had this brilliant idea of using the ice itself uh, uh, as a neutrino detector. Uh, because a neutrino might every once in a while interact with the ice and give rise to a different type of particle called a muon, uh, which as it travels through the ice would emit uh, a faint blue flash, uh, which optical sensors can, can register. So scientists basically dotted a cubic kilometer of ice deep under the South Pole uh, with some 5,000 optical sensors. To do this, they had to drill uh, holes deep into the ice, uh, about a mile and a half into the ice, and 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 lower steel cables uh, on which they uh, hung uh, these uh, basketball-sized globes uh, filled with uh, uh, detectors and electronics, uh, which are now permanently buried under the ice. So the ice cube uh, 
uh, observatory uh, completed two years ago is already starting to produce some wonderful and exciting results. Just last November, the researchers using IceCube reported the detection of some 28 neutrinos, uh, very, very energetic neutrinos coming most likely from far beyond our solar system, uh, possibly from jets produced in the vicinity of black holes or, or dying stars. Uh, either way, this would be only the second batch of neutrinos ever seen coming from beyond our solar system. So it's, 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 the, it's the beginnings of uh, what you might call a neutrino astronomy, using uh, neutrinos as cosmic messengers uh, to study uh, phenomena uh, 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 at, at great distances. And in that regard, talk a little bit about something you wrote about it in an op-ed piece not too long ago, the kind of competition that exists between scientists that are looking at neutrinos and those that are looking at other subatomic particles. Well, uh, it, it, uh, I wrote this uh, opinion piece in the New York Times, uh, a little bit tongue-in-cheek, uh, um, talking about how the Higgs boson <laughs> has been hogging the limelight lately, uh, given uh, the uh, brilliant PR move uh, on the part of Leon Lederman, who dubbed it the God Particle, um, it's it's really captured the public uh, imagination. The hunt for the Higgs and and its uh, its uh, final uh, confirmation of its existence um, with the Large Hadron Collider uh, certainly made headlines around the world. It's a very exciting uh, finding and one that um, it has been long uh, predicted and long thought. Uh, and it's it's in in a way a kind of a, a capstone of a, of a grand uh, grand saga. Uh, what I tried to uh, make a, a case for was that is that the neutrino uh, is also uh, worthy of uh, more attention than it's been getting uh, certainly um, in in the public realm. Um, in terms of science, in terms of the scientific uh, aspects, uh, neutrino physics has certainly come a long way, especially in the last decade or so. It's it's gone from a sleepy backwater to a, a thriving hub of activity, involving probably close to a thousand researchers around the world. So it's it's certainly a, a growing uh, field of physics uh, because of its manifold connections to uh, to cosmology, to astrophysics, to fundamental physics, uh, and even to uh, nuclear engineering and, and possible practical applications of, of neutrinos uh, uh, down the road. Talk a little bit about that, because one of the practical applications that you talk about is this idea that they can be used perhaps to understand or to discover any kind of rogue nuclear reactors or even secret bomb tests that may go on. Well, the the reason for that is whenever you have a, a, a nuclear power plant running or, or if you uh, explode a nuclear bomb, uh, that would produce neutrinos. Um, you can try to hide what you're doing by, you know, burying something deep underground or, or by cushioning the surroundings of, of your equipment, uh, but nothing would stop the neutrinos from getting out. You, could, you couldn't build walls thick enough uh, for your neutrino, to, to stop the neutrinos. What that means is um, the, the initial idea is to, to try to use neutrino detectors uh, with the consent of, of, of people who, would, who might operate a nuclear reactor uh, and deploy this neutrino detector nearby next to a nuclear reactor to keep tabs on it, um, just to 
have constant uh, 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 monitoring of the operation of the nuclear reactors. So you know that instead of uh, relying on, on, on periodic inspections by international monitors, uh, in, in principle, you could keep constant tabs on it and therefore uh, have a very good idea as to when a nuclear reactor is turned on and off and uh, and, and how much uh, fuel it might be using up. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a much more reliable way, potentially, and there are some serious designs already in existence, and actually one uh, prototype has been uh, tested uh, in California. So it's, it's certainly a, a one of the more promising uh, real-world applications of neutrinos. There are some uh, other far-fetched ideas about using neutrinos for communication uh, uh, and for uh, even oil prospecting. Uh, those are, at the moment, uh, a little bit beyond uh, the practical realm. Talk a little bit about other areas of physics and research in physics, quantum theory, quantum mechanics, that, that are touched by and impacted by what we know and what we're learning about neutrinos. Well, the, the one of the... Uh, reasons that physicists are excited about neutrinos is the the prospect that they might reveal new physics. Uh, and by that, what they mean is physics beyond the standard model of particle physics, which was developed uh, initially in the 1970s and has been uh, incredibly successful at uh, predicting a wide range of phenomena uh, very uh, qu quantitatively, and 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 all those predictions have turned out to to uh, be true uh, when you run the experiments. Uh, but the original standard model assigned a mass of zero to the neutrino. But now we know that the neutrino is not massless; it has a minuscule mass, so it's not zero. Uh, but a tiny, tiny mass is associated with the neutrino. And that is already um, an indication that the original standard model uh, at best is not complete uh, and, and could possibly require a, a, a major revision or, or adaptation, uh, possibly even uh, needs to be replaced down the road with, with, with an even uh, uh, more fundamental, uh, more comprehensive model. And that's one of the reasons that, that scientists are very excited, um, that, that by studying neutrinos, and in particular the way the, the neutrino uh, morphs among three different flavors, as we call them, uh, whimsically, uh, it comes in three forms and, 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 and it transforms among those three forms. Um, by studying those uh, uh, oscillations, as physicists call them, the neutrino oscillations, they expect to, to have some uh, new insights about the fundamental nature of matter. And, and that's certainly um, high on the, on the priority list um, as neutrino physicists go in terms of what they would uh, most like to, to explore. Ray J. Awandana, his book is Neutrino Hunters, The Thrilling Chase for a Ghostly Particle to Unlock the Secrets of the Universe. Ray, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Pleasure speaking with you, Jeff. Thank uh, you. Thank you. We're going to take a break. I'll be right back.